Hello and welcome to LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host, Rebecca, and today I'm here with Jane Bell, ANAC Curriculum Development Specialist, to discuss COVID-19 and the impact the pandemic has had on Medicare eligibility in the MDS process. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Rebecca. And before I start, I just want to say with the greatest sincerity that ANAC is so very proud of our members and their total commitment to the residents and to their care and well-being. Unique challenges have been provided to all of you, and we want to shout out a huge thank you to our members who every day are garnering the strength and the courage to safely and carefully care for the residents. You are our heroes. I very much agree, Jane. Now, let's get into some of the questions that have been coming up lately. I've noticed in the ANAC Connect community, our exclusive online message board for members, that there seems to be some lack of clarity about the guidance issued from CMS regarding the three-day hospital stay waiver for Medicare residents. Can you offer some clarity on this waiver, Jane? Absolutely, Rebecca. On March 13th, 2020, CMS Administrator Sema Verma issued temporary emergency policies, including a waiver for the three-day inpatient hospital stay. We often call it the qualifying hospital stay. This is called the Section 1812F waiver, and in that document, it stated that eliminating this waiver would not increase total payments made under the Medicare program or change the essential acute care nature of the Medicare SNF benefit. So, SNF care without a three-day inpatient hospital stay will be covered for beneficiaries who experience displacements or are otherwise affected by the emergency. The following are examples of potential beneficiaries. First, a resident evacuated from a nursing home in the emergency area. Two, a patient discharged from a hospital in the emergency or receiving locations. Or three, an individual that needs SNF care as a result of the emergency, regardless whether the individual was in a hospital or nursing home prior to the emergency. In other words, these beneficiaries need to be transferred as a result of the emergency. It should also be noted that due to the declared public emergency, DR, Disaster Related Condition Codes, should be applied to the Medicare Claims Form. More information about the codes for billing can be found in the March 18, 2020, MLN Matters article from CMS is entitled Medicare Fee-for-Service Response to the Public Health Emergency on the Coronavirus. The release is numbered SE20011 and make sure you get the revised copy. The confusion seems to revolve around the term emergency area. Yes, we have a designated national emergency, and we certainly know that there are states and counties of the country that are deeply impacted by the virus. Washington, California, New York, New Jersey, just to name a few. 
but not every facility is in an actual emergency area. As with anything related to the crisis, it does depend on the facility's individual situation. Another part of the waiver document discussed circumstances where certain beneficiaries who, prior to the emergency, had either begun or were ready to begin the process of ending their spell of illness due to using all their benefit days. CMS is now allowing additional skilled days without requiring a break in the spell of illness for those mentioned circumstances that we talked at the very beginning. The document goes on to say that this policy only will apply for those beneficiaries who have been delayed or prevented by the emergency itself from beginning or completing the normal process of ending their benefit period and renewing their SNF benefits that would have normally occurred under our usual circumstances. This waiver document is not about picking up any resident who has been skilled in the past. The question is, did the emergency interrupt the resident's road of reaching a non-skilled level of care for 60 days? The other thing I want our listeners to know that APACN has communicated with CMS about some of our specific concerns relating to information that you know, the facilities do need to know. In all truthfulness, the response has been that the waiver information and the fact sheets that have been made available need to be the basis for the nursing home's decisions. They emphasize that the current mission is to have hospital beds available for those individuals who are acutely ill and need a higher level of care. So when making decisions, think about saving hospital beds for those individuals who really need them. And before we go to your next question, Rebecca, let me make it very clear. The Medicare level of care requirements for skilled services, those requirements have not changed. Thank you, Jane. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. APACN is proud to support the dedicated men and women providing care in LTPAC communities during this healthcare crisis. You can find free updates and resources on COVID-19 for LTPAC by visiting aapacn.org. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Jane Belt about COVID-19 and its impact on Medicare eligibility and the MDS process. Jane, Let's move now to the question of completion and transmission of the MDS. For nurse assessment coordinators, should timely completion of the MDS still be a focus during this busy and challenging time? Sure, and I will mention again, it does depend on the facility circumstances. Yes, CMS has provided relief to nursing facilities on the timeframe requirements for the minimum data set assessments and transmissions. And that provides great relief to those facilities that are facing the challenge of providing staff to care for the residents. 
do understand, though, that the nurse assessment coordinator should try to maintain the assessment and submission process timely. In other words, if your facility has been minimally impacted by the virus at the present, the assessment should be completed according to the RAI manual guidelines. If that is just not possible because of the situation at the facility, of course, the residents come first and delays will be tolerated. Again, this does not mean that every facility does not have to follow the usual MDS process timeframes. The CMS gave us leeway, but do remember, eventually all these assessments will need to be completed and submitted. So it is important that we try to keep up with them if we can. While I'm talking about the MDS, let me just list a few other items that we have noticed have been brought up. CMS has delayed the implementation of the October 1st, 2020 MDS item sets. The MDS changes planned will be delayed. The second thing is the government has granted exceptions from reporting requirements and extensions for providers participating in the Medicare quality reporting programs with respect to measure reporting and data submission including the SNF quality reporting program and the value-based purchasing reporting programs. For these, CMS did the following. They declared optional reporting based on the facility's choice for the SNF QRP and SNF value-based purchasing April and May 2020 deadlines. Quite frankly, you've probably already submitted that data. Next, no data reflecting services provided between January 1st, 2020 through June 30th of 2020 will be used in CMS's calculations for the SNF quality reporting program. And next, quarters one and two, same thing, January through June, will be excluded from the data reporting for the SNF value-based purchasing. The focus should be on our residents and not so much on paperwork, except please do remember we need to document the care you're providing. So if you have data, submit it. If not, there's no penalties. Next thing we've noticed when coding the MDS, still remember the RAI user's manual is the driver for accuracy of our assessments. The RAI coding instructions have not changed. So when we think about the item O0100M, isolation, the four requirements to code that item on the MDS remain the same. Yes, it's a single room. However, if your facility is in a situation that a separate room is not available and you are cohorting residents and they have COVID-19, Yes, they can be done according to your facility's policy, but it would not meet the RAI definition of isolation and would not be coded on the MDS. The documentation and care plan will indicate the circumstances reporting the cohorting. Next item we've noticed is resident interviews. 
Challenging times bring unique situations. Resident interviews can still be completed, but a different staff member than the usual may be doing it. Throughout our care delivery, the preservation of PPE, our personal protective equipment, is always in the forefront of our activities. When it is necessary that full PPE equipment be in place, and that staff member is going into the room to care for a resident who is infected or suspected to be infected, that staff member, often the nurse, could complete the interview and also provide the necessary nursing care. Thank you, Jane. Another term that has been mentioned frequently is the Section 1135 waiver. What is different about this waiver from the Section 1812F waiver? Oh, that is a great question, and it too has added to some misunderstandings. This is totally separate from the Section 1812F waiver that we discussed at the beginning of the podcast. The 1135 waivers are state-activated, meaning they are submitted to CMS by a state official, often the governor, for his or her state. CMS has added templates on their website for help with completion of these waivers. The waivers go through an approval process and are approved by the federal government, CMS. And again, these waivers are specific to the state. Some examples of what a state would submit an 1135 waiver for would be relief from a pre-admission screening reviews, the PASAR reviews, or increases in the facility's certified bed capacity. It is believed that every state will apply for the waiver as the crisis continues. Otherwise, federally certified approved providers must operate under normal rules and regulations unless they have sought and have been granted modifications under the waiver authority from specific requirements. Thanks, Jane. Any final thoughts you would like to offer our listeners? Just a couple of reminders. We do realize that many of the nursing homes around the country are greatly impacted by the virus. ANAC is committed to providing resources that are easily accessible. For example, the APAC and COVID-19 Updates and Essential Resources webpage has multiple web links to in-service tools, articles, and the CMS and CDC resources. And they're listed by date and specific title, so you can easily find what you want. So visit www.apacan.org to find that resource. Also check into the ANAC Connect community for specific questions related to this emergency and all of your MDS needs. And finally, thank you again for being heroes. Blessings to each and every one of you. Thank you, Jane. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today and for all you are doing to safely care for your residents. If this podcast was informative and helpful, don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. For more resources and tools on coding the MDS, please visit our website at www.aanac.org.